Welcome to From Stuck to Growth, the podcast that takes you from the state of stuck to moving at the speed of growth. Here's your host, whose hard-won lessons led to these conversations today, personal growth geek, mentor, Glenn Leifite. Thank you for joining us on From Stuck to Growth. I'm here with Jamie Pottinger. Thanks for joining us, Jamie. It was a pleasure being here with you, Glenn, man. Really happy for the opportunity to talk with you today. Can you do me a favor and just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so Jamie Pottinger and I work with leaders, whether emerging leaders or leaders who are crystallized, meaning older leaders, and helping them with the gift of awareness in terms of expanding their position, their growth, and giving them opportunity to not only realize where they are, but realize also some steps that they could take in terms of improving themselves through clarity, uh, which we believe that clarity is a windex for leadership, for growth, and for expansion. So, you know, we're about adding value to people through the gift of awareness and, and, and growth, because we believe that leadership is leading up, leading down, leading across, and most importantly, leading yourself. Leading yourself, I think that's one of the true challenges I think a lot of people run into is we think about leadership in others and leading people and stuff like that, but we don't really, we forget about ourselves. And oftentimes that's the piece that's lacking, it feels like. One of the things I want to go back a little bit to your early history. Can you tell me about your days just in college and what inspired you to fall into leadership as you went through? I saw you uh, had spent some time in education. Can you talk a little bit about that and what you've learned? You know, thank you for that question. When you think about us as people, my upbringing, you know, raising a large family, uh, seven siblings, uh, father, farmer, my mother, pre-trained school teacher, you know, there's always the need to to work together if you're not working together you're working against each other and if you're working against each other then you're affecting the overall um, plan for the family and moving things forward so from an early age you know i had a knack for connecting with people and i recognized quite early that connecting with people is critically important for you to get to anywhere that you like to be in life you know by yourself you can go fast but with others you can go much further and um you know i started out you know after co- college was fun for me had a good time and I, I was in the computer science at that point, and then after moving through, I started working, worked as an educator uh, for a while. And, and while doing that, I recognized that, you know, people, there's so much more to us than what others than what others see. And, and sometimes what others see is just a tip of the iceberg. And sometimes what others see is the worst side of us. And sometimes that sends a message making it seem that that's who we really are, while that's just a fraction of who we are. And, uh, you know, seeing that, I, I felt that drive to help people understand that there's always another level to who they are. And that can be difficult sometimes because sometimes people are stuck in not only their mindset, but they're stuck in the opinions of others. And sometimes they're stuck in their experience and sometimes they're stuck in their heads and, and other places. But, but you know, helping people to recognize that, you know, being stuck is, is, is not a permanent position. And even though, you know, when you think about it, trees are planted, but we are not planted so we can move. And sometimes that gift of awareness, working with people in the education field and other areas helped me to recognize that people are talented. And the reason why we operate the way we operate sometimes is because we are planted in the wrong position. And sometimes we are stuck on the wrong idea. And sometimes we are just fixed in the wrong mindset. And, um, you know, in that area, it allowed me that having conversations with people could create such a change. And that led me to doing more of that, not just conversation, but through speaking and recognize that people were benefiting from the small talks that we were having. And I'm like, wow. And, I, and it felt good 
having played sports and did a little bit of music and stuff, I, I, I enjoyed entertaining people. But I recognize that this entertaining was not just entertaining them for a laugh and moving forward, but people are being entertained towards a path of being transformed. That was way more um, fulfilling for me. And, and as a result of that, I, I went on that path. And I, I would say I went on that path. That path found me. And um, I've, I've been enjoying it. Uh, just working with people, working with teams, working with organizations, and I'm um, helping them with the gift of awareness in terms of making steps that better their path and their position. I love that. I think there's a couple of things I want to dive in there with it. And I think the first is connecting with people. You know, what lessons do you have for someone who, while they certainly recognize they need to communicate, but it's just like really hard for them and they feel like, you know, they're exhausted just thinking about it. Any advice in terms of how you've le you've learned and, and what could help somebody like that? I think, you know, John Maxwell in one of his books said something to Tuna, and I hope I'm um, saying it right, that everyone communicates, but only few people connect. I think that we all have a need to connect. We all like community. We all love relationships. I think that the thing about I don't like people, it's not that we don't like people. It's not that we don't like communication. We don't like rejection. I think that's what it is. So it's all about, you know, putting ourselves in a comfort zone whereby I am not disturbed. I am, I am not treated as if I'm less than. But communication is such an important and effective thing. No matter how good you are or what you do, you'll never be able to measure where you are or see the value of what you're doing or how you're doing it unless you're part of community. Because we live for community, we breathe for people. I think the first thing is to recognize that no matter how good we are or what we do, we're never ever our best self until we connect with others. Because by connecting with others, we recognize our strengths, we recognize our weaknesses, and we also recognize our capacity to do more and to build more. And I think the first step is accepting that we need people. That's the first thing, that we need people. And after accepting that we need people, accepting that there's always room for growth, no matter how good we are. And the only way that you can grow is by connecting, seeing where you are, and not just comparing and contrasting, but corp, but cooperating. Uh, you know, some people call it cooperation while you're competing and corporate co cooperating at the same time, because that's where you really have a sense of worth and a sense of belonging. So I think the first thing is recognize that we need people. Second thing is recognize that we cannot live without people. And and, and the third thing is that by connecting with people, we grow. And if you're not growing, you're fixed. And if you're fixed, you're stagnant. If you're stagnant, you're not moving. If you're not moving, mean that you're shrinking. If you're shrinking, mean that at some point you'll be you'll be relegated into antiquity. And I think that's the last thing that we want to have happen. So if we want to be um, living and growing and moving, then we're going to connect with people. And I think that sense of fulfillment, because you talk about an introvert, even persons who are um, you know the stereotype that technology folks and stuff like that. Think about when you'd have written a code or a program or you'd done something. The fulfillment comes in the fact that you're able to solve a problem or you to create a new path. But the question is, who are you solving the problem for? You're solving the problem for people. So even though you may not want to be there when they're applauding you, you're really doing it to fulfill the need of others. And we too have certain needs. So, so connecting and communicating and creating relationships is a part of our survival. And um, the more we communicate effectively, and connect with people is the longer and more fulfilling lives we'll have. Love that. I think as we think about communicating and working with others, I think we've oftentimes think of the fact that we put the emphasis on others as the problem. 
and we don't put it on ourselves in terms of the fact that we need to learn to work with the folks and, and work through our mindset to really understand those things and be able to take them, those things to the next level. Just taking you back really quick to when you were in education and you know working with students and the faculty of schools, how did that change in terms of going from that to like working with leaders and leadership? It's a thing about that. At the heart of people, we engage in conversations because we want to be coached. Because when you're speaking, you're not learning. But when you're listening, you're learning. And, and, and the fact that you are, whether you're in a classroom or you're working with colleagues, on a day-to-day basis, either you're imparting knowledge or you're receiving knowledge. Either you're being affirmed or you're being reprimanded. Either, either your latitude is being expanded or it's shrinking. So when you think about the classroom setting and working with leaders in the classroom and working with teachers and working with students, I think that was the area that I was most primed to become a leadership coach and speaker and and, and team development person, because everything that is in that space about development, you know, you're connecting with students mean that you're connecting with your parents. You're connecting with your parents mean that you're connecting with your community. And what happens in the community is reflected in the classroom. You're connecting with the teachers and mean that you're connecting with the curriculum and how you do things. So many times people try to separate fields, but I think that the only difference is that fields are labeled differently. But no matter where you are, you are leading, whether you're being led or you're leading yourself or something. So the classroom setting and the education side really prepared me a great deal to have conversations. It prepared me to be vulnerable. It prepared me to be somebody who is focused on helping each, helping others, and also to be empathetic to others who may not recognize what they have and may not know that what you have to give them is something that they need. It's like working with a student and you're saying to a student that, I know you could get an A, and a student based on their background and their upbringing, they have never seen anybody being successful academically. So now you are in a position whereby your words are golden. And by your words being golden mean that you have now the position transform or to harm a potential that could be life-changing for that kid and for their family when it comes down to their trajectory. And the same thing happens with a team or a staff member in terms of what you're sharing may serve to positively impact them because you're reaffirming their strengths and giving them the confidence to step forward. So I think that that field prepared me adequately um, to work with work with others. No, oh, that's fantastic. I think we don't necessarily think about additional things that you come out with from it from the education perspective because of the empathy and some of the other scenarios working with students that you may have to find versus in the corporate world. Some of that isn't necessarily the first place you go. It's fantastic <laughs> if you have it, but mm-hmm. it isn't necessarily as primary as you need in that scenario. So I love that how that connects you to the executive coaching. Another way I've gotten to know you is through your Sunday preparation videos mm-hmm. that you do. Love those things. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your idea behind the the Sunday prep and uh, really kind of preparing for the week? Wow. So you know what? You know, I, I learned this from a kid that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And and success is where preparation meet. Um, is where opportunity meets um, preparation. And 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 when you think about it that way, the Sunday prep it came from quitters bounce. But winners bounce back and follow through. And the only way that you could be successful or better than you were the week before is by prepping. And I found that I've had my my strongest and best and most productive weeks are the weeks that I really follow through my schedule. I really plan. I really prep. I have everything in line. And Sunday prep, a program that we designed to 
help everyday people, whether you're leading or you're being led, whether you're mother, father, whether you're a coach, whether you're an athlete, to understand that there are certain tips and steps that you can take that can totally transform the level of results that you secure on a day-to-day basis. It's, it, you know, it, it may give you a year jumpstart just by being prepared. It's like, you know, you have that big meeting coming up on Monday. And instead of waiting until an hour before, if you take that Sunday and go through your notes and make some notes for yourself and review, then when is your time to talk in that meeting, you come across as somebody who is knowledgeable. And if you're viewed as knowledgeable, then you're trusted. If you're viewed as being trusted, then you may get a promotion. And if you get a promotion, it means that your influence and your impact is increasing. And if that's happening, then guess what? The sky may just be the limit for you. So I understand just like an athlete, the better prepared you are, is the more op- are the more, op- more opportunities you will receive and the more trust and confidence others will, will I- invest in you. The work that you do in helping people prepare is fantastic. I love the subject you've, co- you've covered as well. It really has impacted me because I try to sign on and watch those on a Sunday and kind of start my week with that and just start that mindset. Um, I do encourage people to uh, to connect. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but uh, follow Jamie and, and you'll be able to, to see those as well. I think they're really helpful. From that perspective, if you look at the coaching that you do with executives and things like that, how do you see the executives who you are coaching change in terms of what is their preparation? Are they people who are traditionally prepared or is this something like many of them just have to kind of work through it and to help them I think I think one of the biggest challenges that you, f- you see sometimes with some execs is that um, they sometimes people are positional leaders, meaning that you know they lead based on their position. So when it comes down to growth and expansion, they're limited. And then you have some folks who are lacking ca- clarity, whereby their leadership is just about checks bo- check box leadership. So at the end of the week, at the end of the year, while they would have made a lot of money or whatever, they're not fulfilled. And then you have some folks whereby they have it going, but they're only competing. So there's no sense of fulfillment at the end of the day. So it goes back to, are you clear about where you are, what you want, how you intend on getting it, and what you want it to look like at the end of the day? So when I work with clients, I would say that, you know, clarity is, is the windex for growth. Clarity is the windex for winning. Clarity is the windex for leadership. So in these sessions that we have with, with coaches, the first thing is that do you know yourself? And, and ask if you know yourself, we normally go through a behavioral assessment or have those leaders get a chance for others to share a little bit about them. And then using that information for them to look at it and ask, is this, is this the legacy that you want to leave? Or is this the impact that you want to have? Or is this the kind of life that you want to live? When you ask those questions, you know, those questions force you to think about what you're doing. And it's at that point that you see many leaders who now start shifting their thinking and understand that they're stewards of their gifts and their talents and and where they are at that given time. And then they're like, okay, so Jamie, what can I do at this point to ensure that my journey is one that is impactful, my journey is one that is littered with growth and expansion, as opposed to me being in a position whereby I may be making a lot of money, but I'm not really growing. And the minute that I'm no longer in this position, I'm a fraction of who I think I am. So when you have those coaching sessions and those coaching sessions may be a six-week coaching session, a three-month coaching session, a year-long coaching session, or even more, because you have clients who just want to experience continuous and consistent growth as they face not just their failures, 
as they face not only their opportunities, but also as they face the unknown. And facing the unknown with a prepared mindset is always going to be more advantageous than facing it and not knowing where to turn when certain things hit you. That's really impactful. I think the lack of a roadmap, I think, is is huge, you know, across. I think we all have figured out how to use GPS and ways and all these uh, all these ways to get places, but at the same time, we don't think about that for our lives, which is mm-hmm. so impactful. Do you see anything that has been a real big challenge for you know a good cross section of the folks in terms of you know getting on that roadmap? Because I feel like it's, there's always that you know, kind of getting over that hump or hitting that momentum, getting that inertia that you need to get past that, you know, that initial hump. I think one of the biggest things sometimes is humility, humility and vulnerability, you know, being able to display vulnerability based trust by sharing the things that you can't do, the things that you struggle with, the failures that you've experienced. I think that's one of the biggest things. And and once, once you get to that place whereby you're open to share what you're not good at, and you're open to share where you need help, that changes everything. And most times it takes some time for that to happen because people just want to look good. They want to seem as if they're picture perfect. There's no crack or chink in their armor. And then that's something that you notice that, you know, because they have so many people telling them how good they are, they find it difficult to even tell themselves the truth. And the minute they do that by telling themselves the truth about where they are, challenges that they've had, fears that they have and struggles, and what are some of the things that they really like to be known for, then you see that that falls to the ground and then you see real growth happening. And then people can move forward because you cannot grow from your fake state because unless you admit what state you're in, then you cannot get the help and the support needed to move from that, that position. Humility, I think, is something that as I look at leaders that I work with, this is the first time I've mentioned it. I actually work for Microsoft. So I get to see Satya Nadella as a leader and, and the humility that he has and to empathize with everyone in the company, with the customers, I think is a fantastic thing. And having worked for non-empathetic leaders, I think that's a such a gift to have. But I think the other part is that many of us don't know what it is like to work for someone who's like that because it's just too a few and far between and we don't realize the gift that it brings. Mm-hmm. Going back to your book, you know, just barely touched on here. Can you tell us a little bit about the purpose of writing the book and what you were trying to work through? You know, when, when we thought about right, when I thought about writing this book, um, The Face of Leadership, the first thing that came to my mind is that so often we, we have a mindset in terms of what true leadership looks like. And we believe that true leaders look a certain way, they're a certain height, um, they walk a certain way, their swagger is a certain way, they're from a certain family, stuff like that. But But that's not the face of leadership. You are the face of leadership because leadership starts with you leading yourself. So, you know, when when I thought about that, I'm like, you know, we need to write a book that addresses what are some of the key tenets that if handled correctly, you can be successful in your leadership, in your growth, in your teaming, in your development. And that's how the face of leadership came about. And the face Mm -hmm. of leadership is addressing some key areas that all leaders face. But the leaders who come out to be successful are the ones who really um, acknowledge the value in those things. And uh, we, I guess we could talk about it later on, but, but that's how this book came about, The Faces yeah. of Leadership. I've read it actually twice now and really enjoyed it. I think there's so many different little nuggets in there that really are helpful. And just going back to you were talking about you know leading yourself. I think if I look through the things that you talk about in the book, 
it really covers some things that is we're leaving ourselves that we forget about. You know, we, we may think about it in our business. We may think about it in our home life a little bit, but we'll completely miss when it's us, you know, things like foresight, right? Mm-hmm. And of course we're, we, we just kind of gloss right over it. It's like, you know, we're kind of like that bull in the China shop. We're so busy. We just got to, you know, plow forward and literally feel like we're, you know, lunging forward. Like we're about to go do somersaults sometimes as we're working through the busyness of our lives. And any thoughts on face of leadership kind of shows up as, as individuals. So, you know, the face of leadership shows up as individuals, is the fact that, you know, the first F stands for failure. And if, if you think about it that way, the only the failure is an inevitable part of our path as we journey towards success. So we all fail. And then you think about foresight in that, you know what, no matter what's happening, you will hit those uncharted territories at some point. And with the gift of foresight, you can move forward. And then you think about awareness. You know, if you don't know yourself, as John Maxwell said, you can't grow yourself. So awareness is critical. And then agility. You have to be, you have to understand how to pivot and to make turns and to make changes and to be committed to a vision or to committed to a purpose as opposed to be fixed in terms of just a plan. And then when you look about, about is that clarity, you have to know what is it that you want? Why is it that you want it? You intend on getting it and who do you need to be a part of your team in terms of getting there? So you think about clarity and confidence is that, I know that you've seen people walk into a room and you, they, they were so dead, you think that they had an expiration date written to the back of their necks because they were just ready to be eulogized. So when people walk into a room with confidence, it automatically captures the trust of others. And then the energy. We know that no matter how gifted you are, if you don't have energy in what you're doing or how you're doing it, and not just physical energy, I'm talking about emotional energy and all those areas, then people will not follow. And then the final thing is execution. You may have the best plan you may have the best team, but if you don't have the wherewithal and the confidence to pull the button, the switch or the trigger on your plans and your ideas, all it will remain is a plan, idea, a dream. It will never, ever get there. So when you think about the face of leadership, that encapsulates exactly the eight tenets in terms of what drives you, in terms of getting what you need to get. And then it allows you to recognize that no matter your status in life, you are a leader. Very good. I think there's there's so much to unpack in, in 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 just the acronym, and love how you doubled up on the letters because it really kind of brings some things forward. Because I think of, of foresight and confidence and energy. Some of those things are all things that we all struggle with. Yeah. Especially energy is really big. We all overcommit. And yes. Unfortunately, energy really suffers when you yeah, when you big. overcommit. You get so busy, you stop going to the gym or you stop stop mm-hmm. doing different things that energize you and fill you up it really kind of starts to dwindle. As I think about confidence though, I think that that was an interesting one. I've been I've been doing a lot of research on it and thinking on on confidence as of late because I I feel like when I start thinking about how confidence comes about, we always talked about, you know, in school, it was like, hey, have confidence. Well, great, have confidence, but how? Right? You know, nobody really teaches you how we we're, we kind of figure out how to walk. And so now we're supposed to figure out how to be confident. And yeah. some of that comes from upbringing. Some of that comes from from other things. But if you don't even understand the concept, it's no wonder that so many of us worry about it and have mm-hmm. problems with it. Any thoughts on, on what you think of it as confidence and what do you feel like helped you have confidence? Was it part of your upbringing or is that something that you had to develop as as time went on? I would say this, that 
you know, the nurture and nature has a big part to do with that. Uh, and um, your bringing and your culturing. I think that you have general and specific confidence, you know, and you have some folks whereby they may not seem confident in one thing, but they have confidence in a certain area. You may be a great basketball player. So on the court, you're super confident. Off the court, you're not good at other things. So your 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 confidence is low. It's shot. So you have the general and specific confidence. But I think, you know, confidence has a lot to do with you taking ownership of yourself and, and acknowledging yourself that you are the franchise player for your body, for your mind, for your skill set. When you acknowledge that and you know that, hey, if I'm the president of this foundation here, then you know mm -hmm. what? It's something worthwhile being confident about. And and but what happens many times is that we allow the expressions or the displays of others to paint the picture of what confidence looks like. So it means then if we don't have those things, if we don't look that way, if we weren't cultured that way, then we don't think that we should value who we are. So you find out that we don't have a sense of belief in ourselves. And, and when you don't have that sense of belief in yourself, then guess what? We're always gonna believe in something. You may just not be believing in yourself. Yeah. Now, whatever you believe in, that is where your confidence will be. And if what you believe in is outside of you, then why would you have confidence about yourself? So the first thing I share with people is that identify what you consider to be some of your strengths. And if after identify what are some of your strengths, then you work on those strengths. And by working on those strengths and the more you improve is a greater confidence you'll display. So now, even if somebody's telling you that you're not good at it because you know that you have been working at it, you have the, the the openness and the confidence to say, guess what? This is who I am. I may not be as good as you are, but I know that I'm at my best level based on what I've been working at. And when you think about it from that angle, then you're always stepping into that room, owning the space that you're standing on. But if you're not doing that, you're stepping in that room, hoping that somebody else could give you a space to stand on. Yeah. Now, you don't have any confidence when you're doing that. And, and it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay not to be the best at it, but by acknowledging those things, it also saying that, hey, I'm not perfect, but I'm confident about who I am, even in my imperfect imperfections. Yeah, I like that because I feel like as I was doing my research, one of the things I started coming to, to, the, to the belief as I was asking people about confidence was that it really, a lot of people think of it as a pass-fail. Either I have mm -hmm. it or I don't. And it's not pass-fail. You have to, you have to be able to admit your your weaknesses, but or understand your strengths and understand who you are, and don't show up as a essentially as a costume in the room, yeah, versus showing up as yourself in the room. And I feel like if I go back to big meetings that I'm in or or something like that, when I felt really uncomfortable, I felt like that costume in a room, mm -hmm. and I really was thinking pass fail. I was really thinking that all those things that I knew kind of faded away because I was in that costume and my language was dro would drop and, and be poor in terms of, you know, my positivity, my thoughts to myself would be poor. I think it just turns into the stumbling, you know, chain of events that, that, you know, mm -hmm. kind of somersaults through the snowballs. I think that's a interesting way to, to think about it. Do you see a lot of people working through to overcome that well, as you, uh, as you work with them? Definitely. Because, and, and that's so true because, People get into rooms sometimes and they're like, I forget what I should say. And, I'm, and, and my response is that it's not that you forgot what you should say. It's because you're so focused on what you think others think you should be saying. So because you can't read their mind, you now impose what you think they're thinking on yourself 
and you lose, you, you are deflated by that very same thing. So the thing about it too is that not because you're confident in one thing means that you're confident in everything else. And sometimes you have to boost yourself when you get into certain space and, and remind yourself that this is me and I'm the owner for this franchise, whether it's perfect or not. And if I'm not the best at this, I'm going to be improving at it. And if somebody laugh at this, then that's a sign that I need to have, I need to do better or not just do better, but where they're coming from may not be meaningful. Sometimes we add too much weight to what we think others think when sometimes those folks are suffering with self-esteem issues and they're just looking for somebody to put at a lower level so they can make themselves a little bit higher. So you have a lot of leaders who, you know, people share that, Jamie, I don't like speaking in meeting. I don't like sharing. And I'm like, is it that you really don't like sharing or is it that you're afraid of what people will be thinking after you're through sharing? And most of them they say, you know what, Jamie, you're right. The latter is. I really want to share what I have to say, but I'm not sure how it will be taken. I really want to go to that party, but I don't know how it will be looked on. I really want to apply for that job, but I don't know if I'll be able to do it. The thing about it is that if you're looking for a perfect um, display of self, you'll never, ever reach, achieve that. If you're looking at a display whereby I'm always learning to achieve my best self, then you're always going to be showing up as confident as ever because you know that your best step is always in your next step. Ooh, I like that. As I think about confidence again, I think one of the things that, that comes to me is actually something that I learned in Toastmasters when I was first starting to work on speaking. And I'll be honest, I, while I do speak for people, I think I do have to preface the fact that my first goal in Toastmasters was not to puke and not to pass out on the first speech <laughs> wow. and recognize that you can come from that to, you know, speaking in front of a good number of people on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's something you can definitely do. But I think one of the things we talked about is be confident yourself because you're the only one who, who knows you. Yeah. Nobody else can tell you what's going on in here and mm -hmm. recognize that what you know, you know, and own it. I think that that piece was, was so valuable to me as I worked to learn to present and, and work through those things and learn that I wasn't going to pass out and I wasn't going to puke, which is I'm very grateful for not having done that in public, but I have fallen off the stage and conked my head in the wall too. So, you know, we win some, we lose some, but you know, at this uh -huh, point, what it. else can happen to me? Right. I could be, could have been scared mm -hmm. to death to get on stage. Right. But instead I'm, I, I think of it as, you know, what else can happen at this point? And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, no ambulance is called victory. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is part of it. That's so true. I think it, we ha it's all about that expectation, you know, that we have, you know, the expectation of perfection. That's true. And that and that kills our game when we have that expectation that is not even realistic because we're not focusing on what we can do, we're focusing mm -hmm. on what others may think about us. That that yeah. stops us in the track in terms of getting where we need to be. Mm -hmm. I think I find it fascinating. We all think of you know, many of us think Barack Obama is a, a fantastic speaker and you know, he's great order. And the reality is his ahs and ums are all over yeah, the place. Uh -huh. <laughs> but but sure. I'll tell you, you know, it's his charisma. It's it's his ownership of who he is that carries it through and nobody notices. Nobody even mm -hmm. thinks about it. Yep. So I think that's that's one of those things that we as we look at confidence, I think that's another great example of somebody who really has that confidence. And you can see he's not perfect mm -hmm. as well. That's true. You know, he's mm -hmm. he's not trying to to just make everything smooth and easy. It's about communicating with people through the appropriate channel. Mm -hmm. And, and once, you, once, yeah. and once you take that, put yourself at ease with that is concerned, then people will take the time to value who you are and what you bring. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. 
as someone who would work with you, what does working with someone like Jamie or a coach, executive coach, look like? Well, it, it looks like um, joining, getting on a path, a journey that is dedicated to you, you being the focus and your goals are the, your goals serve as the, the, the nucleus of everything that is happening. So, you know, working with Pottinger and Associate or, or working with me as a coach or a consultant is that everything is focused on you being, achieving your best self you achieving the results that you need, you conquering some of the challenges that you're facing, you feeling a sense of fulfillment at the end of the day based on what you're looking to achieve, based on exactly what you're looking to get rid of, and based on exactly where you're looking to take yourself. That's what it looks like. So it's tailored based on your needs and not just a cookie cutter approach that is used for everybody because we're all different. And because we're all different, we have challenges that comes in different shapes and sizes and have different impacts. We also have certain hurdles that are different and certain bridges that are different. So having that conversation, and we start off by just you be doing an assessment, assessment seeing where you are at this point, give, giving you the gift of awareness about your behavior patterns and behavior trends, and how are those impacting your trajectory? And after looking at that, we coin a plan together that allows you to see exactly how can I work with this team to get myself to where I really deserve to be. So at the end of the day, you're not achieving certain goals that are meant for others, but you're achieving goals and heights and going depth that are directly related to who you are, the strengths that you possess, the weaknesses that you have, and the goals that you're looking to achieve. I think as you look at going through coaching and sitting here looking at the, the face item on your list, and I think that it's fascinating how some of those really ducktail into the coaching like, for example, great ability to help with that clarity piece mm -hmm. of the puzzle, because I think a lot of us really struggle from a, a clarity perspective. We're like, hey, we want to accomplish this, and it's 16 miles wide and 4,000 mm -hmm. feet deep, and you know, maybe we should be a little more focused mm -hmm. <laughs> as we go through things. Any, uh, any thoughts on driving clarity as something uh, we all need to work on? So you know, what I'll say, that, and as you read the book in the chapter Clarity, I think clarity, as I said, is a windex for winning. Clarity is a windex for leadership. And if you know what is it that you're looking to achieve, if you know why is it that you want to achieve it, if you know how you intend on achieving it, and if you know who are the people that you want in your corner, then clarity is made simple. So it's all about your why, your what, your how, and your who. Why do you want this thing? What's my purpose and my reason? What is it that I'm trying to achieve? What is it that I'm trying to get rid of? What is it I'm trying to expand or what is it that I'm trying to maintain? The vehicle, how do I intend on getting it? What are the processes and the system that I have in place? What kind of network am I working with? And then who? Who are the people that I'm working for? Who are the people that I'm working with? Who are the people that are competing against me? And who are the people that I need in my circle? Once you answer those questions, then clarity is inevitable. It means that no matter how dark or rocky the ship is, you know your way around the corner because you have those W's answered. We've talked a little bit about community as we mm -hmm. go through this. And I think one of the challenges a lot of people go through is times in life where they have to rebuild their community, whether that's a, a parent and most of their community was around their childhood, your, their kids' friends, and now they're out of high school and they're they're moving on or whether it's, you know, you relocate or you've changed jobs or, or all sorts of different scenarios. Do you have any suggestions or thoughts on 
community building and things that you've uh, seen work? I'd say that the first thing is vulnerable. You know, you have to be vulnerable, meaning that you have to create your community. And creating your community is that you have to, many times people struggle with creating community because they're fearful of being called out. They're fearful of their cracks showing up. They're fearful of others seeing their weaknesses. Now, when you're creating community, because community is super important for anything that you're doing, we need people to survive. That's the bottom line. And when you create community, you have to understand and be willing to be open about yourself and be willing to engage in sometimes conflict, disappointment, and um, and, and and those things are natural pieces. So what I say is that it's worth every minute to create a community. It's worth every minute of your time to connect with others. It's worth every minute to create new friends, to open your space up so others can share your space. Because it's by doing that, that you see your full self. Because we weren't made to be alone. We're made to, to be around people. So if you want to see yourself grow, if you want to see a greater sense of fulfillment, be deliberate about connecting with people and opening your space and being vulnerable about it, whereby even if you mess up, you're willing to go back and do it again. Is that important? It's fantastic. I think the fear of vulnerability really is the, the problem. Right. Mm -hmm. I think we we have to to really choose to be vulnerable. And if they're part of our community, they'll support that and share their vulnerability as well. So true. So there's 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 no way around it, because if you think that doing that and you're expecting that it must be reciprocated, then you're in a problem. It it has to be from a genuine space whereby Mm -hmm. I'm doing this because I need this or I need to do this. Now, if you choose to reciprocate that, then that's fine. But if that's the only reason why I'm doing it, expecting it to be returned to me, I'm never, ever going to be fulfilled. Thinking about, you know, vulnerability. And can you tell me a little bit about the vulnerability that you had moving from education into coaching and, you know, building a business? I mean, that's not uh, a small feat that you've been working on. And I, I luckily met you through, you know, one of your engagements that you had here at Microsoft. But I think the I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey in that way as well to help people understand what you've been through. You know, thank you, Glenn. You know, that question there, right, man, is is it's interesting because if I was stuck on what I heard, then I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been in this position. Because sometimes the responses that people give to you when you're venturing into something new, those those comments can be can be really can really cement you to that position where you never move forward, as you say, stuck. So I could tell you that people are like this you had persons who you could see the look or you could hear their expressions that that's a waste of time. Why are you going to become a speaker, a, a coach, a, a leadership data? Why are you doing that? It's almost like they had an idea in terms of what the ideal person looked like who should go into that field. And, and, and based on the expressions or what they shared, I wasn't that person. But what I found out is that most times the people who try to block you or share things are the very people who have certain things that they're stuck on and they need to be unstuck. And, and, and see you making those moves, remind them of their stuck state and why they did what they did. So they believe that they should be the ambassadors of a stuck mindset. So they wanna give or share every reason why you should not yeah. do what you're doing. So I can tell you that it wasn't easy. Some persons would not, not, not classify me as somebody who's going in that realm. They were stuck on where I'm coming from and they were stuck 
and what they think I should be doing. But the interesting piece of it is this. When I started to do it and they saw others complimenting and affirming it and giving me attaboys, then they were the very same ones who were like, I knew you were made for this. So if you depend on others to affirm when you're making that move, and if you depend on being super comfortable in the process, I got news for you. But it comes back to you owning yourself and understand that you are the CEO for you. And if you're a real true CEO, then you need to do what's best for who you are. I think that's fantastic. I feel like the way I, I almost want to say that is it feels like those people who are the kind of putting you down or anything else, we just need to think of them as like future fans. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Not, not right now, but, you know, in the future. In the future, yeah. They'll get it. They'll get it. We we may have to have patience with them, but they'll yeah. get it. They'll come around. They'll come around. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Thanks for that vulnerable moment. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how to get in touch with you? Um, people wanted to uh, learn more. So if people want to get in touch with me, you could get in touch with me on LinkedIn. And that's Jamie Pottinger. That's J-A-Y-M-I-E-P-O-T-T-I-N-G-E-R. I'm also on Instagram. So LinkedIn, Jamie Pottinger on LinkedIn. Um, and and uh, Instagram, that's Jamie Pottinger again. That's J-A-Y-M-I-E-P-O-T-T-I-N-G-E-R. You can also find me on Facebook. And it's the same Jamie Pottinger at Facebook. And um, you can find me at um, jamiepottinger.com. That's J-A-Y-M-I-E-P-O-T-T-I-N-G-E-R.com. Or my business account, Pottinger's, Pottinger and Associates Consulting.com. Um, or you can email me at jpottinger at Pottinger's and Associates um, Consulting.com. So any one of those means, you could shoot me a message in my inbox, whatever. I'm always open for conversation to see exactly how we can add value to each other's lives as we look to achieve, you know, I think what we were designed to achieve. So any one of those areas, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you could find me on my channel on YouTube, um, the Strategic Alignment Podcast, or you could take me in on Sunday Prep, where we say quitters bounce, the winners bounce back every Sunday. Um, so looking forward to connecting. We're in our family. Very good. I certainly encourage everybody to, to check out the Sunday prep because I think that's really a great way to kind of kick off your week and kind of wind down that Sunday relaxation time and mm -hmm. kick up that, okay, yeah, I'm going to be in the right mindset Monday morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, you teach some great little lessons there and, and so forth. So I really do encourage that as well as, uh, you know, reach out to Jamie. It's uh, always a great conversation and uh, you never know what you're going to learn because he's uh, He's wise in many ways. So I close with two questions that I, uh, I'm asking everybody to start with. Do you have any quotes that you uh, recommend to people or like to share? So one of the quotes that I recommend, the book that Leadership is Language, it says that we judge people based on their behaviors, but we judge ourselves based on our intentions. So we want to be mindful of that. And we all get trapped in it. We judge people based on their behaviors. And we judge ourselves based on our intentions. So, and 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 then the next one that I, lo I love a great deal, the old African proverb that says that, and I'm paraphrasing here, it says that by yourself, you go fast, but with others, you go further. So I'm all into teamwork and connectivity and using um, the power that comes um, from many to influence one. The second question is do you have any books to recommend obviously we recommend face of leadership yeah and go so, get a, go get your copy today yes, but yes. Any other so, books? Face, so face of leadership yes and then leadership is language um 
leadership is language is the one that I find to be powerful. Um, face of leadership, leadership is language. And then the um, the third one, the five behaviors by Pat Lencioni. Yes, I, I love that one. Yes, and, yes. Uh, it's really impactful as well. Well, thank you, Jamie. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you. It's a pleasure, Glenn. Have a good one, man. This has been from Stuck to Growth with Glenn Lifeite. Don't forget to subscribe. We're also around on Instagram at From Stuck to Growth, as well as at From Stuck to Growth.com. See you next time.